here we go. Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show that promises you to distract you from the dumpster fire that is our existence with another bigger, shinier dumpster fire. I'm Max. And I am JR. How's it going? Oh, it's going. It continues to move on and on and on. Yeah. I missed a lot of the news earlier in the week. Uh, and then I was inundated with news. And then I went to lay down. Yeah. And then and then it was today, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yourself? Uh, so last week I... I was freaking out because I was having shortness of breath. Yeah, that's no fun. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like that's that's bad. Even if you don't have anxiety, <laughs> like yeah. with anxiety, it's just like, oh fuck, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's actually that's part of the reason why we didn't record last week. Um, uh not because I was unable to record, but it was, I felt bad being like, I'm having shortness of breath. I, you know, oh God, what's going on? Okay. Well, going to go record now. Bye. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, uh, uh my mom's a nurse and has done stints at the ER. And if you come in with, I have shortness of breath and chest pains, you get to go straight to the front of the line, no matter what yeah. the fuck you think you have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I have shortness of breath that I have a splinter, but also shortness of breath and chest pains. We, you get to go have your splinter dealt with immediately. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, well, you know, it was just one of those things. Like I had shortness of breath and it came on suddenly, but then like just stayed there. Uh, mm, excuse me. Sorry. Um, it just kind of stayed there. And so I was like watching it really intently and like, I didn't really, there was nothing else. It was just that. And it did not get worse. So I was just kind of like. Okay. All You're right. Lucky. That's cool. That's cool that you were able to do that because I would have fixated on it and been like, well, this is the thing I'm thinking about constantly now. Oh, Hooray! don't get me wrong. I did. <laughs> I did. But, uh, but like I said, it was just, I was, I was constantly just trying to like, every time I started fixating on it, I'm like, okay, it's not getting worse. <laughs> like you're, you're Okay. Yeah, you um, have to me- mediate that and be like, "No, wait, you're you're not fixating. You're taking measurements. You're being yeah. you're carefully observing." It's like, yeah. "Haha, yeah, tell yourself whatever lie you want." <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, news of the nothing's burning variety. Uh. Oh god. This uh, okay. <laughs> New comics have come out. Um this past week it was a trickle. It was a trickle, but there were new ones. Um 
I think this past week Marvel put out two or three because there was. I know there was Venom came out, and then a an Avengers issue that has something to do with Moon Knight. Um, but yeah, um, and then there's going to be more coming. So, yeah. Um, so, hooray! New stuff to read! Woo! Uh, pursuant to that, um, Marvel is going to be putting out a free issue uh, called Previously in Marvel Comics that's just basically like, okay, it's been a while. Here's yeah. where things stand. Which... I'm, I'm, <sighs> recaps can be good, uh, in that, uh, like, you know, when, when Doomsday Clock was going, that book was so convoluted and so infrequent that anytime a new issue came out, I had to go back and reread the series up to that point. Because well, otherwise I had no idea what the fuck was happening. I mean, it's um, like when when uh, when trades come out of series that I really like. So that it's not a chore anyway. So like if a new one of Wiktiv or a new one of Saga, like both of those are over now probably. Saga, did Saga come out, the last one? Wiktiv did and I haven't bought it yet and I feel bad. Wiktiv uh, has ended. Saga has, is just on hiatus. Okay. Uh, fuck you with that ending. <laughs> that cliffhanger. Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, so anytime, like, so when I buy, when I finally get around to getting the, the last Wiktiv trade, uh, I, read the, I read all of them. Okay. Yeah. Because, A... That book is also convoluted as hell, and I can't remember what's happening. Or right. and need to re, like refamiliar my refamiliarize myself with what the rules are. Yeah, especially with that one because it's like, wait, what do you do? What can heads explode? I know that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, there is that. And then, but like, I can't remember what the hell was going on, and like what. If I start reading the first issue, uh, the first page of any of those trades, I'm always like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, it's so fucking. And like with Doomsday Clock, as well. Only that was compounded by the fact that it was a only came out every three months, and B was pounding two things, the great tastes of two things that don't go together, um, yeah. together. And yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, couldn't handle. Well, it. and and that and that's the thing. Like when I when I say that when I say that uh, Doomsday Clock was convoluted, I I'm not I'm not like afraid of thinking about the things I'm reading. I just it it is one of those things like that. Doomsday Clock is one you really have to wait until the series... You really had to wait until the series was done to read it. Because, yeah, like, you... It's complex. It doesn't hold your hand as much as some other books do. 
And so it really benefits from reading it all at once instead of, okay, I've read an issue and now I get to wait for six months or whatever. Like, you know, but yeah, um, the, but the thing about it is like when it, when it comes to comics in general, I kind of feel like, uh, the books, the books are there. Like if you, if you need to remember what happened last issue, go back and read last issue. It's, we're not, we're not living in a world where, um, where like, uh, you know, TV shows, uh, they air their season finale and then that's it until the next time or whatever. Yeah. Like you have access to it all. Like, there wasn't it, the the virus isn't degrading cellulose. You can still go read the paper, <laughs> right? So I don't know, but whatever. I mean, it's fun. It's free, so fuck it. Like, go for it. Um, the other thing they're doing is so there are a lot of freebies at cons. It's usually just promotional shit <coughs> uh, that they have sitting around. Um, but you know, like there are there are people who love free stuff regardless of what it is um and will gladly just fill a bag <laughs> um so since there aren't really any cons except in Florida going on um Marvel is sending all of their freebies all of their con freebies to stores to be given away um by and large, it's whatever. It's like um, absolute carnage uh, temporary tattoos. So if you want temporary tattoos for a series that's ended, uh, oh, oh boy, there you go. Um, <laughs> there's a fa- there's a John Romita Fantastic Four pin, which was the only thing that really grabbed me. Um, Conan sword shaped bookmarks. Trading cards for X Men and uh, Thor, uh, yeah, bunch of random stuff. But I think cool. this is actually kind of sweet, and it's like because it's just free crap, right? The mm-hmm. only thing that's costing Marvel, or yeah, it would be Marvel, is the shipping, mm-hmm. and they can't get rid of it fast. It's probably just hogging up warehouse space at the moment. Yeah, uh, so screw it and it'll drive some traffic to a little bit of traffic to the con uh, to the comic book shops um that might well, not otherwise have gone that's good um, yeah i'm not i'm not crapping on it i'm just no, no, no. like it's I know not, you're not it's not going to be an it's not like you know uh there is a uh there is a random wolverine thing uh that because he just had a new book start with Dawn of X. Um, there is a an issue that they were that they were sending out that has uh, kind of a recap of everything that's ever happened to Wolverine and it's just kinda like Alright. <laughs> uh, and, and I know you're not crapping on it. It's just uh, I'm in a I'm a partic- I'm in a particularly sentimental mood this week and uh, this is sweet, and I think it's neat, so yeah. fuck it. And it costs nobody anything, so for basically yeah. nothing. Comparatively nothing. 
So yeah. it's cool. Uh, other than that, there was a couple of uh, things. One is that Empire, uh, the big Marvel crossover, is not going to be as big as it was originally. Um, C.B. Sobolski has announced that... Um, so there was this there was this Empire Previews magazine that was coming out that was listing listing solicitations for everything Empire related, um, and uh, CB Sapolsky has said that is still coming out, but it's going to be somewhat outdated because uh, some of the things that they have uh, that they had included in the empire previews are now not going to be coming out as planned uh he said they may decide to revisit some of those things later but uh they're not going to be part of empire now so all right (laughs) like i i am not opposed to an event shrinking a little bit (laughs) like uh i wish it were under better circumstances but so many events now are so big and bloated that I'm okay with scaling it back a bit. Um, But yeah. Uh, Which brings us to the last thing on the list, which is that there are a bunch of titles that are now going digital only. Um, I don't know. they're They're going to be beyond comics. There are going to be a lot of things that become digital only. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, like my work is just, uh, um, and I had a, somebody asked me last week, like, what did you think this was going to do? And I was like, uh, really scary things, but like, and sticking to comics, um, I think what this did was start to prove to the consumer that they could get their comics digitally and it would be fine. Yeah, and I think that's always a, been I think thing. this is a test balloon on Marvel's part. Yeah. To see, you know, cuz there it's the books that have been announced as going digital only aren't really I don't know how many of them are big sellers. Um the ones I'm not sure about like uh a lot of them are miniseries. Um, like Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider. I know people are all about Cosmic Ghost Rider. Um, so that one I'm not sure about. Like, that may be a bigger seller than I'm thinking it or might not be. I don't know. Um, so here are the books that are going digital only. Uh, Ghost Spider, which is an ongoing. Uh, Valkyrie Jane Foster, ongoing. Uh, Scream Curse of Carnage, which I believe is an ongoing. And then Ant-Man, Avengers of the Wastelands, Ravencroft, Star, Black Cat Strikes, Hawkeye Freefall, 2020 Ironheart, Ironheart, excuse me, uh, Revenge of Cosmic Ghost Rider, and 2020 Forceworks. Um... Like I said, I think it's the kind of thing that Marvel may be trying this out to see if sales suffer at all. And if they don't, 
they may start doing this with more of their line, you know? Um, that's not to say there won't be fanboys that are angry about it. Um, but... I mean, hell, I won't be excited, but it's that's for whole other reasons. Like, comic shops. I just... Yeah. Good comic shops are, we've talked about this before, forever ago, but like good comic shops are really hard to find. And when you find one, you're fiercely protective of it. Um, Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I, I'm really torn on the, on it because yeah, I I have a deep and abiding love of comic shops. Um but I also kind of feel like this is the way things have been moving anyway. Yeah. Um So I I feel like while I while I um, I do have a deep and abiding love of comic shops. I also feel like pushing back on the inevitable wave of progress doesn't really accomplish anything, you know? So, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But whatever. Moving on. Comics. Comics. We start with Captain America Annual Number 4 with a cover by Jack Kirby. Written penciled by Jack Kirby. Written and penciled by Jack Kirby. Inked by John Verporten and John Tartaglioni. Colored by George Russos. Lettered by Jim Novak. And edited by Jack Kirby, and man, I fucking hated this issue. Um, just woof. Yeah, it's just a long, drawn out, very Kirby issue. Like, very late Kirby issue. Yeah, where it's like um, this feels like an issue. Back and back to front, it feels like it's from nineteen sixty-seven, not nineteen seventy-seven. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't help that for so brief explanation of the issue. Cap answers a newspaper ad asking for help with mutants. You know the way all superhero stories begin with a newspaper ad. Um, he arrives, so does Magneto. They tussle a little bit, then the guy who placed the ad came in, he's got these two mutants, Mr. One, who's tiny, and Mr. Two, who's a big dude, uh, and he's just like, I don't know, I found them one day, and here they are, and I keep Mr. One inside my watch, because why the fuck not? Yeah. And, uh... So, which again, which is one of those things that I'm like, this is extremely Kirby. Like that, I a I just found them, and everyone's like, okay. And then yeah. b I keep the tiny one in my watch, and again, everyone's just like, 
okay. Like, sure. what? We just you know. allow... I mean, I know it's an annual and, like, maybe we got places to be, but, like... What? Hold we on. don't. <laughs> I know, we I know. don't. So it's... Magneto... <laughs> Magneto so promises they dispose of Magneto. That's yeah. that's the upshot. Like Magneto's like ah humans and um Mr. Two throws him out. <laughs> um yeah. but so Cap uh Cap takes Mr. One and Mr. Two to Shield. We find out that Magneto wants them because he has a tiny spaceship. And he wants Mr. One to pilot it for reasons? He like, wants to I, get in there and get whatever goddamn treasure's in there. He's he's under the impression that there's there's alien treasure or some shit in there, and he wants it. And it's like... And we're introduced to Magneto's <sighs> new brotherhood, who suck. Like... Not only, so one of the members is Peepers making his first appearance. Um, and if you don't know who Peepers is, that pretty much tells you everything you need to know. He has mutant eyes. Um, but like the rest of the team, like Magneto's just, Magneto's just not even fucking trying. Because yeah. the characters all have names like Slither, Shocker, Lifter, Burner, and peepers and it's just like and like uh, peepers Jack. is the peepers is the only good name there that's you had your one for five damn like look i get i get that it's hard to name characters especially like now finding a name that has never been used is incredibly difficult yeah but come the fuck on a strong guy named Lifter, a yeah. guy with fire powers named Burner, like, come on, Magneto, uh, and by extension, Jack Kirby. So they plan to co- capture Mister One and Mister Two. They do it, uh, like they draw. They draw out. Um, they draw out Cap, and in the process, attack Shield and abduct Mister One. Uh, Mr. Two and Cap go after him and blah, blah, blah. We find out that Mr. One and Mr. Two are a single brain sharing two, or occupying two bodies. Um, who the fuck cares? And, uh, Mr. Two is killed and Mr. One is just like, well, no point. And then sets this tiny alien ship to self-destruct. And ostensibly dies. And oh my fucking god, I hate this issue. That's all I can say is just fuck this. Fuck Mr. One and Mr. Two. Fuck this entire new brotherhood. And fuck you, Jack Kirby, for making me read this. I forgot that Papers fires laser bolts out of his eyes at one point. I forgot a lot of this issue, except that I was just like, okay, okay, okay. I don't really like this. And I don't... Is that something he ever does again? I don't remember. I When he first did it, I was like, whoa, okay. And then Cap runs up and grabs him by the scuff of his neck, and he's still firing, which is funny. 
<coughs> Apparent. Okay, so Wikipedia listed under his powers, which suggests that he did uh, actually continue to possess that ability. But the question is, like, why didn't he ever... <laughs> why do I never recall? Because I've seen a bunch of issues with him. Uh, why does he never do it again? Why, Max? Tell me why. I don't know. Shrug. Why would I know? <laughs> I don't know. I decided to make it your problem. I don't want uh, it to be my problem. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it blows, <laughs> and my Jack Kirby man. Look, I here's here's the thing. I I am not going to discount what Jack Kirby did. Okay, I am not going to say that Jack Kirby is not an integral part of comics history and marvel history specifically but man i really do not enjoy a lot of the stuff he does like i really really don't and like that's the thing about this his run on cap so far is that like i get it if your argument what would be like sometimes we don't need to have long drawn out character moments sometimes you just need to punch stuff and have fun and i'm like yeah but the plotting still sucks like yeah. nothing like I see the punching stuff and the having fun, but I don't have there's no stakes. So the yeah. plotting still sucks. Like Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's the thing. Like what what would have happened if Magneto had succeeded? No because idea. Because that's never effectively established. Yeah. What like what is the worst case scenario here? No. Magneto succeeds, and yeah, why? It, what? What? He why should access to a tiny alien ship, which does what? Like, why shouldn't Cap be helping him? Like, tell me that. Like, yeah. I, I mean, other than the fact that it's Magneto, like, yeah, literally, just... the only reason for Mag for Cap to oppose Magneto is because it's Magneto. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. Yeah, and that's. A lot of Cap, or a lot of Kirby's Cap stories have been this. Yeah. Where it's like, at least with the Mad Bomb, like, we did have, this is what happens. Like, the that story opened with, if the Mad Bomb, if a small Mad Bomb goes off, half of the Bronx tries, or Harlem tries to kill itself. Like, yeah. okay, like, let's not do that. Like, yep. <laughs> a bigger one of those is bad. This is, and then it's some of the subsequent Cap stories have just been like, what is going, like, what is the point, Jack? Yeah. Like, it, yeah. and I don't mean, like, thematically. I mean, like, what, what I, why are we trying to accomplish this? Why do we not want the thing to happen? And, and I think <sighs> the reason, the reason that Jack Kirby feels increasingly incongruous is that... I think when you look at the Silver Age into the Bronze into the Modern Age, um, you know the a lot of people will will 
taken in a take a reductionist view and say things got grittier. And yeah, but I you know I was watching I was watching uh, a thing about Miracle Man and Neil Gaiman was talking about Alan Moore and why why Alan Moore and specifically Miracle Man works so well. And it's because he took it seriously. And yeah. and that's the thing that's the thing that really I think marks the the beginning of modern comics is when people started taking it seriously as something other than two people fight and who cares, you know? Yeah. And that's why we're in the beginning of people starting to take it more seriously. It's still kiddie books, but they're like, okay, that doesn't mean we can't tell a good story. Well, I mean, even even Daredevil, which sucks. (laughs) <laughs> in this time takes it more seriously than Jack does. Like yeah. it, it's a lot more emotional stuff most when it's, I don't know. Daredevil sucks. Daredevil sucks. I shouldn't have used Daredevil as my example. Thor. There you go. There's a good example. Thor makes sense. Like, and by taking it seriously, I don't, you don't, does not necessarily mean like gritty, Right. Like it just right. means you can still have fun adventure stories. If that's what Thor does. Just tell a good story that makes sense and like has stakes and like a plotting that's cool and some, you can still do fun adventure shit and like punch trolls in the face or whatever you yeah. want to do. Like, but just take your take yourself seriously and tell the story because and because we're getting to the point. Like, I think a lot of people have talked about this. Um, before is the people that were reading the comics when in the sixties are now starting to write the comics and they're like, they were fans of it then, but they can kind of look back and be like, yeah, but we could do this. They, they are taking it seriously because they love these things, right? They're, they're they're not creating 92 characters in a week. Like Jack and Stan did. Um, They're, they're like, okay, I get to spend some time on it. Yeah. Okay, rant complete. We better move. Otherwise, we'll never get through this. You don't want to spend the entire time talking about this single issue? I really, <laughs> really would rather... I almost rather would if, if, if my option is move on to Incredible Hulk Annual. Uh, well, if... so there are, <laughs> there are a few things to say here. So yeah. we'll... Incredible Hulk Annual number six has a cover by Herb Trimpey is written by Len Wein and David Kraft, penciled by Herb Trimpey, inked by Frank Giacoya and Mike Esposito, colored by Janice Cohen, lettered by Gaspar Saladino, and edited by Len Wein. The short version is this. The Enclave reaches out to Doctor Strange, Snow uh, gives him a snow job about how, oh, we tried to create a perfect human, but he turned on us because he was mad, and uh, we want to try again. So they bring Doctor Strange in to manipulate this robot to do some brain surgery on the fly. Um, and Dr. I had Strange, not. Well, I, 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 I'm interrupting your flow. I'm sorry, but like I, I, I had not realized that that was who it was. I and I still, even with the cover, I must have been real slow last week or week before when I was reading this because I was like, oh, these are the guys that made Adam. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
that makes sense. And yeah. and that was one of the narr- editor's boxes that was like, yeah, that's not exactly the way it went down. And uh, if you'd read Fantastic Four, whatever, then like 96, 55? I, I don't know. Oh, wouldn't have been 96. I would have read 96. Uh, if you would have read that, then you would know. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So basically they're trying to create a new him. Um, the Doctor Strange is initially kind of like, okay, well, that seems like a noble goal, but like things aren't adding up for him. So he, he reaches out to Hulk and kind of guides him to where he is. Um, Hulk slowly makes his way running into obstacles along the way. Um, and, uh, he gets there as this new him is coming to life the new him is called paragon um and initially is just is going to kill doctor strange at the enclave's orders but then reasserts itself and is just like nope we're not doing that uh base blows up strange and hulk get away paragon goes back into a cocoon uh and sinks with the base um to reawaken at a later date um paragon is her do you know what i'm talking about no no i don't so uh her is basically a female adam warlock yeah when paragon emerges from his cocoon again he's her okay so that sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, whatever. So, I mean, I mean, it's fine. Um, the Hulk. Thank God, the Hulk stuff is here to have fun. Um, yeah. Because there's a lot of like, strange. You're getting lied to, and you know you're getting lied to. I don't mind the fact where he's like, I'm pretty sure I'm getting lied to, but the only way to get any more information is to kind of do what they're asking me. Because there's no downside for me, but I can't just start slinging spells and forcing them to tell me what the fuck is going on. Uh, yeah. Because that's not really who I am. Uh, Hulk just battering shit on his way through is fun as fuck, though. Yeah. Like, he gets a, tor- he gets a couple of torpedoes shot at him in... The ocean, like, and the other thing is, he must he must circumnavigate the globe at least once on this trek. Because he goes to Africa. What he goes Africa is the last one. Like he gets shot at by the by the missile by the submarine in the Atlantic. Then he's at a different island, and then he interrupts a Russian space launch and then he interrupts a different gamma burst radiation that blasts the fuck out of him that ends up, no, that's the one that ends up shooting him to an uncharted island where he ends up seeing the uh, I'm gonna go with some indigenous tribe of vague 
description. The the only thing I can think is that if he's if he was in the western half of the United States and then he starts bounding <laughs> but like then the question becomes like was that the quickest way to get cuz if you're going Russia then wherever then wherever then potentially Africa like wouldn't it have been quicker to just go the other way but, but he starts in New York like we know that it? for certain yes he oh, was man. in the sanctum when strange left and then oh, he was just Jesus. sitting on a fucking park bench when okay. strange called uh, out to him yeah this is whatever okay moving on yes please <laughs> moving on fantastic four number 185 uh has a cover by george perez and joe sinnott Written by Len Wein, penciled by George Perez, inked by Joe Sinnott, colored by Glenna Sween, lettered by Gaspar Zaladino, and edited by Len Wein. Um, the Fantastic Four come home and they're like trying to figure out what to do. Uh, Reed goes into the lab and starts feeding information into the computer. Um, because he like, they, they studied the egg the Eradicator came out of. Um, in order to figure, or Eliminator, sorry, the Eliminator, the Eradicator was Superman. Uh, the Eliminator came out of, so as to figure out where the ore from its egg came from. Um, there's a bunch of like, you know, Sue's not sure what to do about Reed because he's really despondent. Uh, Johnny's just like, it'll be okay. Ben was at Alicia's but has come home because he's worried about Franklin. Then Reed's just like, okay, we got it. And so uh, Reed puts on these auto extenders that allow him to sort of stretch his hands, which, okay, but it's It's the most, like, cuz comics, moving on. Like, well, it's just, because, it's the how does that work? It's the kind of thing that it does not approximate his powers enough to really be useful. Uh, the only, the, literally the only reason it makes sense for him to do this is because of the way it winds up helping them later on yeah. by virtue of what it is. Um, but anyway, so they get in the pogo plane and they head toward... Uh, this location uh as they're leaving impossible man uh comes back to the baxter building and he's like hey where is everyone okay might as well watch tv um they arrive in this area uh the pogo plane uh the pogo plane sets down and there's, like, this town. So, Johnny reveals that he has, like, all the parts for a car just stowed in the Pogo plane, which, whatever. But he builds this thing. They go riding into town. Thing covers up. Um, and this town is really odd. Like, it's, uh, it's a... It's a very bucolic little town, uh, no cars, 
no nothing. Um, but it's yeah. this town of New Salem. And there's like this weird fog that is surrounding it as well. So they had to drive through that to get in here. Well, uh, it's oh, high winds. High winds, um, yeah. As soon as they hit the uh, the city limits, though, the high winds died. Yeah. So that was weird, too. Um, then they meet the ostensible mayor named Nicholas Scratch. Um, he is immediately weird. Um, and Sue and Reed go off with him to look into some city records, searching for the mining where they think they found this, uh, this ore. Um, yeah. and they're just kind of wandering, which leaves Johnny and Ben to just sort of wander around. Uh, Agatha is looking at them, down on them from like a hotel room where her and Franklin are being held. Um, yeah. Oh, everybody kind of gets the information they need, get bored, and they're like, well, I guess there's nothing here, and they start leaving. Agatha's like, well, fuck that, can't have, can't, they can't leave, and she manages to wrangle a little bit of her, um, witchy energy, and sets the city, the city limits ablaze, blocking them in, and, yeah. uh, then they turn around and they're like, oh shit, it's a cult. Yeah. So all the people, the townspeople are just like, well, might as well give up the ghost. And so like this glamour over the town disappears and everybody's in robes and they're just like, well, now you can't be allowed to leave. Um, and they take down the Fantastic Four um, pretty handily. End of issue. Uh, Fantastic Four number 186 is lettered by John Costanza. Uh, they wake up and they are in a cell. Uh, at one point they talk to Agatha and Agatha is just like, I'm really sorry. I got your son because I thought his powers could help. Uh, not realizing that he didn't have his powers anymore. So I'm really sorry. I fucked up. Um... We find out that Agatha is uh, being accused of treason and is going to be executed. Uh, the Fantastic Four uh, are told that once Agatha's sentence is carried out, there's they will decide what to do with them. Um, we, <coughs> and they, we... they took Franklin away in order to like keep them pacified too while they're right. in the cell. Uh, meanwhile, the impossible man is watching TV and he's attacked by someone. Uh, <clears throat> so the, what happens, the short version of it is this, um, the fantastic four escape from their cell. They make their way through the, this underground complex and have a run in with this group called the Salem seven. The Salem Seven, like, undergo this change and proceed to start fighting the Fantastic Four. Uh, and it's not going super great for the Fantastic Four, but then one of them, like, uses his strength to crush Reed's arms, not realizing that they are, uh, that they are mechanical. And, uh... Because of the bullshit rules of magic, apparently, his having 
crushed something that was not specifically a member of the Fantastic Four causes all of them to revert to human form and then they're dealt with. Um, the, uh, the Fantastic Four break up the execution of uh, Agatha Harkness and uh, they're just like... It turns out that the reason Agatha Harkness is being put on trial for treason is because she left. And by doing so, she exposed uh, New Salem to the risk of discovery by the outside world. But the, the, uh, what I, what I love is, um, the, I forget, is it Sue? Um, no, Reed. Reed tell, Reed announces to the townspeople that Agatha never told them anything about the existence of New Salem. And honestly, they never would have known anything about it had Nicholas Scratch not gone out of his way to do all this shit. And then the people of the town turn on Nicholas Scratch and he's seemingly destroyed. Um, at the end of this, we find out he was Agatha Harkness's son. Um, whatever. He's not dead. <laughs> like, I I don't know. It was, it was fine. I thought it was an interesting switch up to just be like, if anything, you're the one who committed treason, bro. Hate to break it to you. Like, so yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was okay. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot here. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. Uh, Fantastic Four number 187 has a cover by George Perez and Dave Cockrum and is lettered by Joe Rosen. Um, the FF returns from New Salem. Uh, they find the, the Baxter building a bit the worse for wear and Impossible Man unconscious. Um, and it turns out that they're, that they're, that the building was, uh, was infiltrated by Claw and Molecule Man. If you'll recall, the last time we saw Molecule Man, he was, um... In a scepter, or in his scepter in the bottom of a swamp. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, he's now back and the wand has to, the personality of Molecule Man inside the wand has taken over a boxer who I guess later on in, uh, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe, we find out that boxer's name was Aaron Stanky. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Not, it's not, it's not a major piece of information. It provides no... Uh, greater insight into anything, but his name is Aaron Stanky. Anyway, uh, the upshot of all of this is that uh, Claw, Claw and Molecule Man have infiltrated the Baxter building to use this device, uh, the Psi Amplifier, to ensure that uh, Molecule Man permanently takes over the body he's possessing. Um, there's a bunch of fighting, blah, blah, blah. They're defeated. However, um, 
Reed goes to pick up the wand and is immediately taken over by Molecule Man. Meh, 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 meh. Uh, Fantastic Four number 188 has a cover by George Perez, Joe Sinnott, and Danny Crespi. So the upshot of all of this is that um, the it's an interesting battle in that the Molecule Man has no compunctions about hurting the Fantastic Four, but the Fantastic Four don't want to hurt the Molecule Man because he's controlling Reed's body. Uh, but they manage to uh, they manage to destroy the Psi Amplifier. Reed is working against uh, the Molecule Man in in his head. And so he is able to prevent the Molecule Man from actively harming <coughs> the Fantastic Four directly. But Molecule Man's just like, whatever, I can still do other stuff. And uh, so um, the Molecule Man... Uh, The Molecule Man uh, basically kind of blackmails Reed. He turns he turns a building into a living thing and it starts stomping around and he's just like, I'm going to destroy everything if you don't just give up. And Reed's like, okay, okay. And so he reverts it, but the building just drops like in the middle of the street. Uh, the... Uh, me. I like yeah. the design of the build of the walking building though. Yeah, yeah. Um the uh I'm trying to remember uh There's a there's a lot of interesting things that happen here like where uh molecule man Sue starts using her invisible force fields against the Molecule Man. He tries to do something with them, but he can't because they don't actually have, like, a, a proper structure. So he just uh, turns the air around her shield into a solid metal uh, Sphere. bubble and starts contracting it in on her. Um, but, uh, da, 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 da. um, Reed gets knocked out due to a stray hit from Ben. Um, uh, oh. There it is. I was trying to remember how they actually wound up defeating him. He tried to affect their costumes, but because they're unstable molecules, it caused feedback that short-circuited him. And so they wind up dropping... They wind up dropping the... Uh, the... Um, the wand down a smokestack. Which, if you're not, if you're uncertain, is the preferred manner of disposal in both the Marvel and James Bond universes. 
Um, <laughs> and at the end of it, like they go back and uh, the Watcher's just like there. <laughs> and Yeah, he's like, been there the whole time and they've he's been like, they've been demanding him to tell them why he's there because he used to do that. And now he's like trying not to, and now he's trying to be a better watcher. Um, and he won't. So yeah. they get pissed. Yeah. But, uh, ultimately the reason the watcher is there is because Reed announces at the end of it, that he's resigning from the fantastic four. And Sue's like, well, I mean, He's going, I'm going to. Yeah, sorry. I completely lost my train of thought there. Um, uh, And at the end of it, it's just kind of like, okay, so I guess that's it. Uh, Fantastic Four number 189 is a reprint of Fantastic Four annual number four, the first appearance of the Quasimodo supercomputer. And... uh, so that brings us to Fantastic Four number 190, which has a cover by Jack Kirby, Frank Giacoya, and e. Irving Watanabe, and is written by Marv Wolfman, penciled by Sal Busema, Busema uh, inked by Tony DeZuniga, and lettered by John Costanza. Most of this issue is, so at the very beginning, Ben goes over to Alicia's and he's just like, the Fantastic Four broke up. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, it's not all bad. And so he pulls out this random diary and starts recounting everything that's led to this point. And uh, I like how she's like gentle with him, but sort of like a little sarcastic in my head i like it being a little bit sarcastic where she's like but you guys always get back together yeah always so it's probably gonna be fine yeah she's like nope Um, not this time yeah uh so uh at the end of it he finishes recounting their entire history at which point they're just like, well, let's go get a burger. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Uh, there's really not a whole lot here. It's just him, yeah, exactly, recounting meeting Namor and all the all the things. Everything up to now. Yeah. Uh this this run of Fantastic Four this week, it's been kind of all over. Like I said, I liked how they kind of turned the tables on Nicholas Scratch. Uh Though I am really glad we're done with the New Salem stuff for now. Yeah. Like, I don't care about Agatha Harkness, like, at all. So, they haven't stop. <laughs> well, I would care if you give me more. And this is the beginning of, like, giving us more. But so far, she's just been, I'm weird. And it's like, okay. Maybe kind of. I've weird. never, I've never read a lot that has made me want to give a shit about Agatha Harkness. So I'm not discounting the possibility that there's something out there that will. I don't know, but mm-hmm. if there is, I have yet to come across it. Okay. Um, but the Molecule Man stuff was fine. Um, you know. 
the the fight when he was possessing Reed's body was interesting from a standpoint of well we don't want to hurt Reed but also like that happens all the time there's yeah. nothing particularly fantastic for about that so eh and then this whole thing about like oh no the fantastic four broke up and it's just like yeah but did they <laughs> i mean so well, it's all been... you need is to go out and just have reed start messing with super science because that's that's not gonna stop and, yeah and uh he'll get his stretchy powers back and then you'll be fine yeah like, don't worry ben i don't you should go. I to, think... You should hang out with Alicia because you you just just wait. Yeah, I the thing about it is I think Ben lost his powers for longer than Reed winds up lo- being without his. Like, because I think Reed gets his back in one ninety six. Jesus. So it's not long at all before he's back in the saddle. So, whatever. Uh, Iron Fist number 14 uh, has a cover by Dave Cockrell, <coughs> Al Milgram, and Danny Crespi. Is written, is written, written by Chris Claremont, penciled by John Byrne, inked by Dan Green, colored by Janice Cohen, and lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Annette Kowecki, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Um... It's so this issue is kind of whatever. Like it's it's Sabretooth is hired to go after uh is hired to go after um Jaron Hogarth and Iron Fist and Colleen Wing go to stop him. Uh but Iron Fist is not doing very well because he had a run-in with Steel Serpent, who, like, sapped a bunch of his strength. And, uh... Okay. It says this is Sabretooth's first appearance. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, this is... I actually, I, until I, uh, did... Oh, one thing I did want to mention, um... The the last issue of Fantastic Four we read uh, was the first comic I think we've come across that was wherein Jim Shooter was the editor in chief, and uh, so this ends that whole people are editor in chief for like five minutes, and yeah. then somebody else, Jim Shooter, is editor in chief for a while, and he does a lot of interesting stuff. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I actually, I, until I called m- the rest of my collection, I actually owned this issue and nice. it, it's not bad. Um, it's primarily just, uh, at one point Iron Fist gets snow blinded. Uh, yeah, they, they're taking, Jaron Hothgarth apparently owns a chalet somewhere in the Canadian Rockies, I guess. And, uh... A Canadian chalet sounds hilarious. But it's like a fucking complex, too. Like, it's multiple buildings. 
Um, and Colleen was acting as bodyguard, I think. When yeah. Sabretooth attacked, she got away and called Danny to her, I think. Is that what happened? Doesn't really matter. The The upshot is, yeah, you're right. Like, that's the most important thing that happens at the end is at the end when Danny get Danny is owning Sabretooth for a minute there. And he, mm -hmm. Sabretooth is like, fuck this, I'm out. It looks like he's fleeing into the wilderness but what is actually happening is he's tricking Danny into rushing outside without thinking. The rising sun is glancing off the snow. It blinds him. And then he has to fight through the blindness to end up beating uh, Sabretooth. And he does. Um, that's probably the coolest part of the issue. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Sabretooth for a moment. Now, I've... I've said before that, so supposedly, uh, John Byrne at one point was fucking around because, uh, it was for, it was a while after Wolverine first appeared that you saw him without his mask. Um, and so John Byrne had done a design uh, for it, however, they had already finalized what Sabretooth was going to, or what Wolverine was going to look like. So Chris Claremont took that design, and he and John Byrne turned it into, uh, wool or into Sabretooth. I keep getting them fucked up. Anyway, the other interesting thing is, so there are a lot of plot threads that Chris Claremont was never really able to follow up on because he left X-Men in, uh, 93. Um, now since then he has been able to pick up a lot of those plot threads in the book X-Men forever. Not the one that came out after Avengers forever, but the one that's written by him. And based on that book, I'm kind of glad he never got a chance to follow up on some of those plot threads because X-Men Forever is a fucking mess. Um, but one of the things he was planning to do was... So let me just read you this quote from Chris Claremont. Uh, he says, What I was ultimately going to establish was that all the Sabretooths we had seen heretofore with the possible exception of the one in Iron Fist number 14, were clones by Mr. Sinister. They were Xeroxes. Z whereas Sinister's modus operandi was to capture an operative, stick him in a stasis chamber, clone a copy, and send that person out to do battle. So you have an inexhaustible supply of marauders from his clutch of villains. In the case of Sabretooth, you had a Xerox of a Xerox. That's why the Sabretooth that's always appeared working for Sinister has been so flawed and so easily beaten. We've never seen the real thing. The real thing is quite happy, lurking around the fringes of the X-Men universe without any interest whatsoever in the X-Men, but an abiding interest in Wolverine, and Wolverine knows it. Now... <coughs> There are parts of that I like and parts of that I don't. Because 
this all ties into at one point there was a whole thing about Sabretooth showing up every year on Wolverine's birthday to kick the shit out of him. Yeah. And it was leading toward the idea that Wolverine was Sabretooth's son. Yeah. And they actually did that in X-Men Forever where Sabretooth shows up and he's like, I don't know any of you. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Um, But the... So... I don't know any of you. You have literally killed me before. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The thing about it is, I like the... I I don't like the whole Wolverine and Sabretooth being father and son thing. That I don't like. Um, I like the idea of, you know, this, this notion of the clones simply by virtue of the fact that I like the idea of the X-Men going up against Saber <coughs> at some point and thinking they know what they're getting into. Yeah. But then getting their clocks absolutely fucking cre- cleaned by this guy and they're just like, what the fuck is going on? He's never been this big a problem before. And him just being like, you've never fought me before. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. But as as is so often the case, I find myself kind of... I love Chris Claremont's work on X-Men for a really long time. But I'm honestly kind of glad he leaves when he does. Because had any of this come to fruition... Had he, if if X-Men Forever is anything to go off of, I'm really glad <laughs> that he left when he did. Because Wolverine dies. Yeah, I'm um, looking at the covers now and I'm like, you killed Wolverine. Shadowcat at one point before he died, uh, phased through his arm and got one of his claws. Which, okay... What? But then she's able to pop a claw, basically. And it's just like, even if you got, even if you somehow phased through and wound up with one of the claws in your arm and didn't notice, that doesn't mean you, like, did she just swipe, like, all the musculature yeah. and everything required? She doesn't have a healing factor, so every time it pops, it's going to bleed like a motherfucker. Like, how the fuck does it... And then, like, it turns out that... Um, young Storm, who had shown up, you know, during the Gambit stuff and was reverted to adulthood uh, post... Or at the end of uh, Extinction Agenda, was not actually Storm. And she was evil and working for somebody else. And then the actual storm comes back and it's a whole thing. Nick Fury was going to be a villain. Like, there's just a whole bunch of shit about it. I read as much as I could at one point and then I'm just like, this is fucking awful. (laughs) I'm glad you left. I'm sorry, but fuck. So, yeah. Um... 
I will say, though, him being Sabretooth, had he turned out to be, uh, to be Wolverine's dad, that would have opened up all sorts of Cat Stevens jokes. Oh, um, wait, the other way around. If he had turned out to be Wolverine's son? No, Wolverine's dad. Oh. You could still do Cats in the Cradle, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, Spider-Woman number one. Uh, cover by Joe Sinnott. Written by Marv Wolfman. Penciled by Carmine Infantino. Inked by Tony DeZuniga. Colored by Glynis Ween. Lettered by Joe Rosen. And edited by Marv Wolfman and Archie Goodwin. This issue is mostly setting up Spider-Woman's new status quo. She is in London. Uh, we have we have a revisit of the two criminals who were blowing shit up everywhere from Marvel Two and One. Uh, she she has a couple of run-ins with a cop who may or may not be like he's obsessed with her, uh, but whether or not that's in a in a uh, meeting out justice kind of way or whether or not he wants to fuck her uh, remains to be seen. A little bit of uh, both. Yeah. And then uh, finally we have, the big thing is we have the actual like legitimate origin of Spider-Woman. Um, and, and there's a bit of a costume change. Yeah, she she ditches the the full blown cowl. Yeah. Uh in favor of one she also dyes her hair cuz mm-hmm. she's she's got like brown hair and she dyes her hair black uh because <coughs> this cop recognizes her out of uh out of costume and she's just like, "Oh shit." Um but so she, yeah, she dyes her hair black, which doing both seems like a mistake because he's seen you out of costume, so he knows your face and your hair. If you keep the cowl and dye your hair, then okay, but if you dye your hair and have a costume that shows your hair, then he's going to say, okay, that's what her hair looks like now, and I know what her face... Whatever. (laughs) Anyway, Jessica Drew has all of these problems finding a job because everybody is naturally just like... uh, like evolutionarily designed to hate her. Everyone just thinks she's creepy and weird is the thing like she's just like i don't know why they they react to me this way even though i know exactly why they react to me this way um but and we find out her whole deal yeah which is kind of a it's a salvage job of the thing that we learned before um her, she is human. She has parents. Her parents and another couple decide to fuck off from civilization so that they can live in the Alps 
Did and Wyndham have a wife? I, I thought think, it was just the three of them. I thought Wyndham had a wife too. Maybe not. I guess I not. Know. No, you're right. Uh, but they all decide, fuck it, let's go so that we can live in a weird house in the mountains that uh, will be pure research. They get to do all their research. And uh, her dad, whose name was Rich, not Rich, whose name is um, something. Jonathan. Jonathan. Jonathan and Miriam Drew. Yeah. Uh, his specialty, his research specialty is spiders. Um, and one day after they, oh, they found a shitload of uranium under the land that they bought in wherever. Uh, the uranium ends up poisoning Jessica. He uses a new spider serum on Jessica that saves her, but she's going to need constant um, care. Radiation treatments. Yeah, until that Wyndham is doing, until she's going to be better. It's going to take a while. Uh, yeah. Her mom dies from the stress. Um, her dad eventually dies, too. No, I think he just fucks off. Huh. Uh, he, yeah, he, yeah, he vanished. Mysteriously, Jonathan Drew vanished. Okay, so that's cool. We got that lurking, waiting for us. Um, and but Wyndham stays with stays with Jessica and continues to uh, administer the radiation treatments. She eventually comes out of it after he's become the high evolutionary. I guess she gets the mistaken impression that she's one of the new men, um, but she's not. Well, she's told that she was. Um, the thing, the thing that's frustrating about Jonathan Drew is, it seems like they are setting something up, but I don't think they actually are. Like, <laughs> they just needed him out of the way. I don't know. Like, he... I don't know. Because there's nothing about him showing back up again in, huh. on, you know, whatever. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. So, I like this origin better. It's cleaner-ish. Um, it does tie up the high evolutionary stuff, which is good because I wanted that to stay. I don't know why, but I wanted the high evolutionary background to stay. And I was worried that they were going to take that away because I didn't know this. And, uh, it's a little janky how like your parents knew the man who would become the high evolutionary. That's okay. Um, also I thought the, I thought the High Evolutionary became went from jo Wyndham to the High Evolutionary over a period of like millennia. No, oh, no, it was a while. Um, but by the same token, uh, yeah. But no, he he's he's not. He has accelerated his evolution. Uh, 
to the point that he is millennia ahead. Oh, but okay. he's he's he is contemporaneous with a lot of the Marvel universe. Okay. Um, uh, at this point in time, he might be an older guy, but right. he would still be alive. So. Um, the so you remember the goofballs from Marvel Team Up that were running around stealing things to find the the MacGuffin that they were searching after. Uh, Jr. does. Uh, the idiots in London, one of them was an ex-SS officer, and yeah. they were robbing a bank. She foils the robbery, but in the in during the fight, uh, the good uh, the, the the inspector that's been chasing her around this whole time uh, is wounded and dying she grabs him against the wishes of the police and gets him to a hospital where they give her give him her blood which will siphon some of the whatever it helps her yeah i don't remember why yeah i don't know um yeah uh i i the thing that i the thing the thing that i like is uh you know the the thing they were after was were plates yeah that would allow them to print counterfeit money but right. it, they weren't even good anymore yeah. so what the fuck ever well, like, and that's, uh, you idiots, of course they're not going to be good. You've been digging up shit from at least the 40s. Like... Yeah. What? Yeah. No, I agree. Whatever. Uh, over Overall, this issue, like... The, the major problem with this issue is that... Not only are <coughs> they trying to set up the status quo for the series but they're also trying to rectify some issues with the characters already tangled continuity <laughs> uh because she's only she's appeared in a handful of issues prior to now yeah like three or four and yet already like they've got to do a thing saying okay no Here's her actual origin. So, it's just all fucked up, but whatever. Um, it's fine. <coughs> but, uh, moving on. Warlock number 12 has a cover by Jim Starlin and Steve Lealoa. Is written by Jim Starlin, penciled by Jim Starlin, inked and colored by Steve Lealoa. Lettered by Tom Orzakowski and edited by Marv Wolfman. This issue has two things going on. One, Warlock is trying to figure out what he's what he's got going on. Because he traveled into the future. It's been a while since we talked to Warlock. So yeah. he traveled into the future to kill himself so that the Magus never comes to be. Because the Magus traveled in the past 
to try to prevent him from doing that. Yeah. Or or something. Uh, like so. Thanos, when when we're getting our explanation of how the universe works from Thanos, Thanos, then yeah, because he's the one who's like ends up explaining it to us. Yeah. So um, he's trying to figure out where that leaves him, and dealing with the fact that he has at most a year. Yeah. Um, and the fact that his gem is like ripping the souls out of people. Um, Which he's not a fan of, but the yeah. gem is also like really goddamn insistent about it. Yeah. Um, and then the B story, which is actually the A story of this issue, is uh, Pip being a dick. Well, <laughs> so what I want to throw out there is Warlock, in the course of things, begins to notice that stars are disappearing from the oh, sky. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's like, Better look into that. Pip, meanwhile, like runs out on a runs out on a check after starting a bar fight. Runs out then... on a check with the with a the owner of the bar of the bar who he also slept with the night before, and yeah. like Pip is Pip is a lot. <laughs> the thing is, so Pip, his appearance and the cigar are an homage to Jack Kirby. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that he's like a talker. Yeah. Um the thing that I the thing that I wonder is which parts are Pip and which parts are Jack Kirby. <laughs> but whatever. The, um, the the high temper and running out on checks? I don't know. That doesn't sound right. The the, <laughs> the walking hard on like is that Jack Kirby? <laughs> um but anyway, so Pip ha- Pip winds up running into this, uh, this, basically what it amounts to is this woman is chained to a mobile brothel. Yeah, it's a TARDIS, too. It's bigger on the inside. And it's, yeah. And it's mobile, yeah, she's... But she's like, look, just help me, and uh, I will help you, if you know what I mean. I will reward you. And huh? Pip's like, I like I like what I'm hearing here, so yeah, let's do this. Yeah, so he snips the, he snips the wire that's keeping her there, which alerts her owner, Proboscis. Uh, who shows up and is just like, who did it? (laughs) And so Pip has to fight Proboscis and he manages to succeed in bringing down the, all this rock on, onto this dude. And he's like, so I'll take that reward now. At which point Eros, um, shows up. That is Star Fox, uh, Thanos's brother. Shows up and he's just like, hey, baby. And she's like, oh, baby, you came. Oh, let's get out of here. Anyway, the the uh, the mobile fuck mobile. That's all yours. Fuck mobile is yours. And he's like, wait, that was my reward. And she's like, yeah, what you think I'm at? And he's like, anyway, uh, I'm gonna go fuck his brains out. Because <laughs> I'm because look at him, though, because it's yeah. Star Fox. And, uh, but also, but also, 
knowing what we know later on, like, would she have, though? Like, I'm not saying she'd have fucked Pip. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where her, her uh, proclivities lie. But would she be all about Eros if not for the fact that he can make women love him? Ah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, Eros, you're so gross, aren't you? We do also find out that Pip... So we find out Pip wasn't always a troll. Yeah. He was some minor noble on this planet. And apparently you become a troll by hanging out with trolls long enough. And so he was out and found these trolls and they partied it up and he hung out too long and became one. So that's fun. Um, but yeah. So Warlock number 13 has a cover by Jim Starlin and Irving Watanabe and is colored by Petra Goldberg. And here we begin the question of what's going on. So we have this thing that Warlock begins calling the Star Thief. And he starts investigating. (coughs) And we find out who the Star Thief is pretty early on. And there's this guy, Barry Bowman, who was born not possessing any of the five senses. Um, so, like you do, you make yourself into a psychic god. Yeah. I mean... Uh, yeah. And Barry Bowman is angry because his father his father's wealthy. Um, he's angry because he doesn't feel that his father has done enough to cure his condition. So, okay, that, that, I guess that makes sense, but whatever. Um, so his plan ultimately is to snuff out all of the stars in the universe and then Earth's son so that his father and the rest of humanity can see it coming, basically. Yeah, and that's that's their hope. That's yeah, yeah. It just so, but he reala- So Warlock uh, starts investigating, and the Soul Gem's like, yeah, 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 do it. Um, but so the Star Thief realizes that somebody's on his trail. So he starts communicating with Warlock and being like, you can't stop me. Uh, He's like, but I'll I'll tell you what, I promise I won't, I won't touch you. He's like, but I'm going to throw some shit in your path to try and stop you. Like, I won't, I won't affect you directly. Um, And so, yeah, he's just like try and make it to earth whatever um star thief meanwhile is also keeps taking over the body of his of the nurse his father hired to keep an eye on him so yeah that's the that's pretty much what happens in 13 um 
Oh, uh, whatever. Uh, Although, so, so there is a fight on an asteroid or like a moon that Star Thief like animates these rock men. Yeah, and it's a pretty good fight. Um, well, that's yeah. The the fights he engages with in along the way are cool. Yeah, uh, they're just they're an afterthought. Um, they are not the thrust of what we're doing here. That's for sure. I've. I feel like this maybe could have done with a bit more time, but by the oh, same yeah. token, the book gets canceled. So whatever. Um, so, uh, number 14 has a cover, uh, by Jim Starlin and Danny Crespi and is colored by Steve Leoloa. Um, so he does rock, then he does uh, water. Um, in this case, a big old star shark, uh, which Warlock defeats by <laughs> tri- by tricking it into getting hit by a comet. Um, um, Warlock plays possum at this point, and uh, the Star Thief is just like, "Oh ho! Well, that isn't that interesting." But it's a ruse, and Warlock uses the Soul Gem to steal a part of the Star Thief's soul, and Star Thief is just like, "Oh fuck no!" So he creates a big fire thing. Um. And basically inhabits it with his consciousness. Yeah. Warlock realizes, oh shit, this means I've got a major advantage here. Um, so he smashes the giant's head <laughs> uh, in an effort to snuff out the Star Thief before it goes any further. But the Star Thief is able is able to flee in time. And he's just like, oh, you almost got... I I got a little careless there. I'll admit it. He was um, like, well, th- this is a hilarious thing. I didn't... The Star Thief, after he smashes the thing's head with a boulder, uh, he goes, I didn't think you'd realize the monster's brain was its Achilles heel. And I was like, in my head, I'm thinking, that's, that's pretty much most things. Like, yeah. if you... If you crush a head usually it's done yeah i mean yeah. we have we haven't seen evolution jet i mean different planets different uh life branches and all that but like evolution generally thinks that uh putting all the sense organs in one place and then putting the brain behind that looks is a pretty good design um yeah i don't know well Shush. at the, at the very least most things have an have something resembling <coughs> a brain, wherever that may be located. Yeah, but like most things, even if you get creative, would wind up having a thing that is sort of the the epicenter of it. Yeah, um, and that you know, yeah, aim for that, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so. Um, 
what what happens from here it gets a bit odd so warlock so warlock is able to draw upon the knowledge and and uh basic abilities of the people who have been absorbed by the soul gem and so uh he uses um one of the dudes he had absorbed was this guy autolycus he uses his navigational knowledge to travel through a black hole using it as a wormhole to travel straight from where he is to much closer to the soul system um and so uh the star thief is like oh shit but ha ha um the we discover that warlock's time in the far reaches of space have caused him to grow and the reason we're given for this is that because everything in the universe is expanding, the things further out are expanding faster. And so this has resulted in the... Basically, because he's been out there, he's now massive and ghost-like when compared to the planets of the solar system the, it doesn't really matter i <laughs> like i yeah it's, it's soft science bullshit but it doesn't matter because they retcon it like hardcore yeah uh so i mean and this is shit. this is jim starlin still and he gets to do whatever he wants with warlock as far as i'm concerned he's kind of earned it uh but this is one of the most, like, I got to this and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Say it again. No, 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 no. Repeat that out loud. Yeah. You clearly didn't before you wrote this and no one yeah. stopped you. Um, but call, so, a, call a physicist. <laughs> the, the thing, well, I'll get to this in a second. So... Barry's nurse at this point in time because star thief is devoting so much of his attention to warlock realizes <coughs> oh my god i'm free so he reaches into his uh jacket and pulls out a gun you know which all private nurses have uh -huh. and uh kills barry and so the star thief is like snuffed out of existence and warlock's just like oh okay and, like, all of the stars are immediately returned to their place in the heavens. Now, a couple of things that I will say. First of all, I think it's interesting that what Barry plans uh, does actually come to fruition in that people realize that the stars are going out, and they, they do. They flip the fuck out. Um, so that's interesting. But... I, so the thing that I like about this issue is if we ignore Warlock being 
giant and immaterial, <laughs> which it's really hard to ignore. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But if we just table that for a moment, I like, I like the fact that Warlock is at a point where he is questioning, like, where am I going? What am I doing with the time I have <coughs> left? And in the process is very emphatically cut off from the world of his birth. Mm-hmm. So he is left guess, adrift. Yeah. He's left adrift with no, because Warlock is meant to be the ultimate human. Um, and when humans are looking for meaning, are looking for where to go from here, they tend to go back to the places that are, uh, that they've been. And that can provide a certain measure of comfort in which to sort of figure out. And now he's been denied that. And I think that in itself is interesting, even though the way he does it is really fucking dumb. But it doesn't matter, because like I said, uh, the next, after, after Warlock number 15, the next place he appears is uh team up and they find a workaround for it and then eventually they reveal that all of this stuff about him growing too big for the solar system was actually a trick pulled by um some aliens who wanted to steal counter-earth and did not want warlock to involve himself huh so it didn't actually happen. But whatever. Uh, Warlock number 15 is inked by Jim Starlin and colored by Michelle Wolfman. Um, I... I'm honestly trying to remember the... So... Because we didn't record last week, it's been it's been over over a week since I read this, but because I remember Thanos tells Gamora he wants her to be uh, Warlock's bodyguard. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I'm back on track now. Um, Gamora goes to goes to uh, track down Warlock, but her ship is destroyed by Drax, who's looking for Thanos. Right. Um, there's a bunch of uh, there's a thing about Warlock saving an old guy whose ship is being repossessed because he couldn't pay, uh, but um, like. Warlock sends them packing and then tells the guy, I suggest you find the money. Like, whatever you need to do, find it, because I'm not going to be around next time. Uh, But he does not allow them to just space the random old man who can't uh, pay his bills. Uh, But the the thrust of this issue issue (coughs) is uh, Warlock meets this random uh 
drifter <laughs> on this asteroid. Uh, and the this this entity explains that you know you've got a you've got a hard road ahead of you. You're going to watch as everyone you know uh, dies. Gamora, Pip, the High Evolutionary, you will see them all die. And it's going to get really rough, but, uh, you know. Also, you're going to be the cause. Yeah. Like, you might not be the instrument of their death, but you will be the cause of their death. Yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck. Um, So he kind of takes that information and is like, all right, that's another thing I have to worry about. Damn it. Uh, But in the end, the main thing we get done with this, we get that information drop, which is nice. And then he takes himself and the soul gem to a planet that's isolated and, and, and empty of life, devoid of life or sentient life, it seems. Um, and... I like the, I like this because he's basically he he removes himself from everyone, and he sits down with the soul gem and he's like, "We got some shit to work out." Yeah, I like that though. That, that, that's no, actually that's, it's. A res- I'm saying I really like yeah, that. It's a um, responsible thing to do, and uh, because he even says at the end, like, "I foresaw, I did foresee the possibility of you winning out." Um, and I would be ultimately completely assumed, or uh, uh, by the, the gem or into you and, uh, that I'd be there forever. That's why I brought the gem here so that yeah. nobody yeah. finds it. It's, um, it's great. I love it. Uh, and it's actually, this is the first time we find out that there are other gems. Yeah. Um, he says, or the, the gem says, I am one of the, I am one of six, yeah. one of the six. Yeah. Yeah, um, we don't really because this is the thing you've got to bear in mind is the the process of getting to the Infinity Gauntlet is if you if you just read like a trade paperback of <coughs> the stuff leading up to and the actual miniseries, the Infinity gauntlet um it took a long time to get there and it was kind of a drip of information because we don't even uh we don't even really when uh they don't get called the infinity gems until right before infinity gauntlet yeah did we they meet? are all called soul gems until thanos quest um have we met? Which Dad is yet? 1992. Sorry, what? Have we met Death yet? Ah, uh, I don't know. Let me see. But yeah, um, and there's some stuff in this issue with Pip. Uh, it seems we have. Yes, yes. Um, the, the thing about it is that, um, 
there's some stuff with Pip about him, like, just stealing, like, robbing people blind and then robbing a cop. Uh, but whatever. It's, yeah. Uh, moving on. And then, uh, like, the book ends. Yeah. That's, That's I mean, the last issue. He confronts uh, the Soul Gem, wins out uh, with just his power of will. They basically come to a detente where he's like, okay, you're not in charge of me. Stop fucking trying to do it. And the Soul Gem's like, fucking fine. Um, well, he threatens to kill himself there and then. Yeah. Um, which would mean that the Soul Gem is just stuck there. And so he's just like, you can do things the way I say, or you can be abandoned here with no chance of ever getting to consume anyone ever again. And the soul gem's just like, I'll be good. Yeah. Dick. <laughs> like, Which, like, is good because we we need pretty much all of this to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, but anyway. Top five. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's Top 5. Top 5. So, number 5. Pip gets screwed. And I don't feel bad about that. (sighs) That's a bad pun and I don't care. Um, Number 4. Ow, my brain! Um, Because, of course, the brain is your Achilles heel. Uh, uh, number three uh, is the first first appearance of Sabretooth, especially with all like the weird backstory stuff that you provided. It's fun to think. I don't know. That is kind of fun to think that maybe we never actually see the real Sabretooth again. Well, occasionally, this just yeah. sinister being fucking crazy and doing weird shit with being sinister. Um, yeah. Number two is uh, Iron Fist fighting through snow blindness. I know it's not like that special, um, but we haven't seen in the Marvel Universe for someone to pull a Daredevil because there's Daredevil, but the way that he walks himself through it is cool, too. Um, and then my number one, which is... Uh, Warlock confronting the Soul Gem. That's probably the part that I really enjoyed the most. Um, It was the thing that I was definitely looking forward to happening. Um, I know that there's a whole bunch of Soul Gem shit that happens with Warlock before uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Like, but I only know of it. I've never read it before. Um, And so, like, the fact that you know, he and Pip and Gamora hide out in the Soul Gem for a while to, for a, a reasons, and like that, that there's a whole ecosystem inside there is stuff that I know gets built up later, and yeah. maybe even and then subsequently scrapped because it's difficult to parse. But like, I think that's fun, um, and I kind of want to see it happen. I, yeah. I just love this cosmic shit because it's so fucking weird. 
And when it's done well, it's good yeah. and weird. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's it, me. It, it, it is. It's a, it's a lot of fun uh, when, when somebody... Somebody gets on it who appreciates how fucking weird and that's and that I think is why like you know Guardians of the Galaxy works so well is because it is it's just so fucking weird I mean you've got like if you go off of the comic Guardians you've got Star-Lord a human um because he was human. Uh, uh, Mantis, who's whatever the fuck she is. A raccoon, a tree, uh, Captain Universe. Like, just all this weird shit. And, and like, uh, they don't yeah. spend time... Nobody... Even Peter, eventually, is just like... You, he is not our stand-in character, right? Like... That's that's the thing that I love about most of the cosmic shit is like there's never a stand-in character for the audience to like right. that has everything explained to them because blah 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 blah. No, this is just the way it is. And like yeah. it's fucking bonkers. Yeah. Um and you know it's weird when it weirds these characters out. Like that's fucking rad. Um Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So uh, I had a, I had a hard I had a hard time because we read a lot of different stuff this week. Yeah. But three of mine are from Fantastic Four. Oh, you went up you went so, a whole different way than me. Yeah. I had a I had a hard time. It I was sitting here going through my notes and it's just like, ah, uh, okay. Um, and even and even two of the two of those are jokes, really. Uh, so my number five is no, no, it's cool. Park the plane. I happen to have an entire disassembled car <laughs> just here, and it's um, and it's a snap tight, so it'll be together in like an hour. Don't worry about it. Yeah, like what yeah. the fuck, Johnny? Yeah, what the fuck ever, man? And who like, let you have? The super magnets. Like, we shouldn't... You shouldn't be near that. Stay out of the lab. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing... It's just... Yeah. Uh, Number four is... uh, No, no, for real. The Fantastic Four is done this time. Like... Yeah. Come on, man. I... You know, it's not just hindsight that makes me call bullshit on this. But it's also just, come on. And it's, again, they're going to do the thing. It feels like they're going to do the thing where, like, Reed is retired from the Fantastic Four, but he's not gone because he's still in the Baxter building doing science. And he's just yeah. going to get pulled into whatever bullshit the other two or three get into. So it's like, yeah, okay. And maybe they re- replace them. Like, I know that they do this every so often where, like, Sue and Reed go missing, or Johnny fucks off, or whatever, and they replace them with She-Hulk or Wolverine or Beast or whoever. 
whoever happens yeah. to be laying around. And uh, th that's they could do that now, but they're not even going to do that. It's just going to get it. They're just going to give him his powers back, and then the team. Yeah. Yeah. So. Though, looking at, I just realized something else that should have been on my top five, but whatever, fuck it. Uh, so I'm going to change my number three. Okay. So that it's not all Fantastic Four. My number three is, yep, you're going to watch everybody die, and you're going to be responsible for it. Uh, but, you know, it's life, man. Yeah. Like... That's just the way the way shit is, and you've gotta you've gotta go on or not, and uh, that seems like a really bleak. What it's it's really hard. So I I am weird. Okay, um, we've met in that I I find the silver lining in that really bleak shit. Okay. Like one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, one from Mark Twain. I learned it from fear agent <laughs> of all things. Uh, but it's, it, I can't, this is from memory. So bear with me. Uh, there is not a life that has been lived that was not a failure in the eyes of, in the secret opinion of the person who lived it. And anytime I tell people that that's my favorite quote, they're like, that's really depressing. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's depressing. Like, the way I look at it is, you know, everyone thinks their life is a failure. Even people whose lives objectively have not been a failure yeah look at their lives as i could have done more yeah gandhi i should have done this i like i guarantee you that on his deathbed gandhi was like i could have gotten more done what the goddamn yeah. the end of the end of schindler's list when he's he literally that and he's like <laughs> this watch could have saved another and yeah that's bullshit like whatever but like the point is it, I find, I find comfort in that idea simply by virtue of the fact that, you know, yeah, you think your life is a failure. Everyone does. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. I just, I like this whole just, yep, that's how shit goes, man. You either stick it out or you don't. And whatever. But like, you got to find, you got to find, you've got to decide if you have a reason to keep going and hold on to that or don't like, yeah, you're allowed. Um, but like, and again, like you said, during the reading, he's supposed to be the perfect human, right? Or not the yeah. perfect human, but the, uh. I'm, the ultimate human. Yeah, the apex of humanity, sort of, right? Like, of, but of all of humanity. Like, yeah. warts and all. Like, and the fact that he, like, that's still a human thing. Like, to not know your place, to not know what the fuck you're doing, and also to know that your existence 
has consequences. Like, yeah, like that's all very real shit that we all drink ourselves to sleep over. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. we do. Everybody does that eventually. Um, Every everyone's screaming, whether they know it or not, deep inside, <laughs> because of this shit, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. That took a weird turn. Uh, number two, Sabretooth. Yep. Because I, you know, Sabretooth is. I love Sabretooth. When done right, I fucking love Sabretooth. Lie of Schreiber. Yes. As uh, Sabretooth in Wolverine. That is the only reason that I don't think X-Men Origins Wolverine should be scrubbed from existence. No. Is because I love him as Sabretooth. He's fantastic. Because he is. He's he's that perfect, just like sadistic talker. Like, you know. Well, and the level of menace that he's bringing is extremely real. And like... There's, but it's, it's authentic, but like, I believe where it's coming from too, in that movie. Like he's the only part of that movie that's like consistent. Um, but like, he's great. And I would keep him as Sabretooth for everything. Um, yeah, maybe not. Absolutely. Maybe not now, but like, but like he took that, I don't know. Never mind. Uh, but But, yeah, I like, I like Sabretooth. When Sabretooth's done right. It's extremely cool. Uh, yeah. Well, I feel like Sabretooth is kind of like the uh, the Daleks in Doctor Who, in that they can be so good when they're not just doing them to death, and that's the and that's the fundamental problem. Is like, you know, they'll do something. They'll they'll drive the Daleks into the ground and then someone will come along and be like, okay, we've got to do something about this. And then they'll make them cool again. Yeah. And then they'll drive them into the ground through overuse. And then somebody else has to come along and be like, okay, all right, what did you do? How did you break it? (laughs) Like, you know, and Sabretooth is the same way. Sabretooth, in order to be an effective villain. And honestly, I think like the best Wolverine villain and top tier X-Men villain um, he can't be done all the time because it Sabretooth works when he's dangerous when there are fucking stakes to his being around and when you're when he's just there and like on on like a team of bad guys and always fucking showing up there are no stakes he he has to be defeated or else things can't progress and so yeah like but man Sabretooth at his best is fucking phenomenal yeah Um, I was just thinking about it and it's like it's very much a juggernaut problem very similar to that when he's on a team I don't give a shit because it's like right your two are gonna well like when they, even when it's a two-person team with Black Tom, I'm like, you two, the two of you are just going to trip over each other's dicks, and then that's how you're <laughs> going to end up beating, getting beaten. But like when it's by himself, like that issue, his uh, first appearance, like Jesus fucking Christ, 
that's that was that was a terrifying like the the anticipation involved in that issue of ju- where it's just like he's making his way and nothing is stopping him yeah like fuck um i don't know i it's just it's one of those things of i i love uh i love sabretooth in the context of wolverine but i like him you know fuck when uh when he was after he got the claw popped through his head and he was at the institute for a while man that issue with gambit where he uh where he's making him relive everything he's ever done and then to discover that that was all just him acting yeah like fucking hell that because is that's, double whammy that's the the end of that is when he uh shreds uh Psylocke. Psylocke, right yeah yeah because he's been playing um, the whole time just laying in wait to get close to, close enough to one of them that he can just straight up shred them and then yeah. work through the remainder. Um, yeah. And, and the, th- the thing with the gambit issue is, uh, the fact that it has such a great ending in that the thing he confronts him with is the dangling, the girl he cared about and his brother. Yeah. Um, I remember this above like from Notre Dame and he goes, oops, and drops them and in the previous issue where you found out that happened you find out gambit saves his brother and has to let her die and uh so gambit puts it on a loop and makes him watch oops 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 and then like gambit uh storm comes in and she's like what the fuck are you doing get out of here and uh yeah she comes in and it's like we don't do war crimes what the fuck <laughs> yeah um and the the thing that i like is you know gambit had had grabbed Sabretooth and he's like no you don't get to turn away you have to face every shitty thing you've ever done storm interrupts and she's like get out of here you yeah. don't we don't do this yeah and so he leaves and the lights are out and Sabretooth is just in his little cage and he's like oops and uh to know to know that that was him just playing with people yeah is just so hard the whole but and yeah that's that's his whole play is like he realizes he's got the head wound and like he just straight commits to that immediately like and it's like okay I'm going to convince them that I'm reformed. They're going to let me out of the cage and I'm going to fuck them all up. And like, that is exactly what happens. That's so rad. And we only get, we, the audience get like dribs and drabs. We're like, wait, wait a minute. And even Wolverine doesn't believe him the whole time. And he's like, no, we should just murder him. If we can, we, we need to figure out a way to kill him. And they're like, no, we can't do that. He's like, "Mm, all right. But that is not the issue we read. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm just... All I'm saying is I'm excited that Sabretooth has shown up. 
because I really do just love him so much. And it pisses me off to like, you know, watching, watching the first X-Men angered me because Sabretooth was nothing in that movie. He was just there. And I'm like, you do not understand this character, you assholes. But anyway, um, so that was my number two. <laughs> number one is uh, War Warlock hashing shit out with the Soul Gem and like coming to a tentative understanding. Yeah. So, um, so uh, that is it for us this week. Next week, uh, I forget what we have. We have. We have we revisit the champions and some Ghost Rider uh, stuff like that. Uh, there's it's a smattering. <laughs> we have again a single issue of uh, Spider Woman, and then just uh, just Marvel team up, uh, Ghost Rider, Champions, and Incredible Hulk, and so it's going to be a weird week. We'll see. Uh, uh, in the meantime, follow us on Facebook, uh, like a, sorry, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, both individually and at Watcher's Guide MU, uh, visit our website at watchersguide.com or email us at watchersguide at gmail.com. Uh, stay safe, just in general. Yeah. Things are fucked right now, like, so, stay safe. Black Lives Matter. Have a marvelous week. Bye.